David Darren's Top 5 Things podcast is about to take place. We've just started it. It's only just begun. My name is Dave. This is my partner, Darren. Hello, dear Darren. Hello. The podcast is brought to you by Nature's Treatment of Illinois. They have a location in Milan on Tech Drive and in Galesburg on West Main Street. Milan is open every day. Galesburg's open weekdays and Saturdays. Nature's Treatment offers a wide selection of products for recreational use, including flower, vapes, and edibles. The recreational waiting lists are available. You can reserve your time by going to the website. That would be ntillinois.com. Here's what we got done today on our Planet 93.9 morning show number one. Number one. 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 Number one. Imagine giving your partner a scorecard, Uh like rating your partner. This was something that was done by Northwestern University, the marital rating scale. <laughs> I'm, I'm dreading the reviews tomorrow, I can tell you that. This is something else. George W. Crane, PhD and MD of Northwestern University. Go Wildcats. 1939. This is a rating scale where you would have a card, uh-huh. and then you would fill out the numbers, and then give your wife or husband mm-hmm. their score. Mm-hmm. All right. Wives were giving husbands scorecards in 39? 1939, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was a rating scale for your partner. So when somebody does something, mm-hmm. all of a sudden someone goes for their scorecard. I don't need to make note of oh, man, That's going to go down make, there. That's going to go down on your permanent record. <laughs> In computing the score, here's the husband's chart. In computing the score, check the various items under demerits, in all capital letters, uh-huh. which fit the husband and add the total. Each item counts one point unless specifically weighted, as in the parentheses. Then check the items under merits, which apply. Now subtract the demerit score from the merit score. Yeah, I get the it. result is the husband's raw score, and then you can interpret it on this table. A score of 0 to 24... Very poor. 25 to 41, poor. 42 to 58, average. 59 to 75, superior. And 76 and up is a superior rating for a husband. Two superior ratings? They're superior and very superior. Oh, very superior. Yes, yes. So here are the, you want to hear the merits or the demerits first? Let me just go over the, some of the merits. Sure. Uh, because these are, I mean, this is just common sense. I'm going to, yeah. Uh, merits gives wife ample allowance or turns paycheck over to her. That's uh, five points there. Courteous to wife's friends. Frequently compliments wife regarding looks, cooking, Housekeeping, etc. That ass. Remembers birthdays, anniversaries, etc. Helps wife with dishes, caring for children, scrubbing. Polite and mannerly, even when alone with his wife. <laughs> what? I uh, treat your wife like a human being, even when no one's watching. <laughs> when no one's looking. Consults wife's opinion regarding business and social affairs. Has date with wife at least once per week. Reads newspaper, books, or magazines aloud to wife. Can you imagine? Honey, I'm going to read the paper to you now. Some of this you don't need to know about. Oh, we don't want to worry your pretty little head about these foreign affairs. It's 
This is 1939. Nothing going on in Europe. We, you need to concern yourself with dear. Uh-huh. I'm sure this will work itself out. That's none of our business. Uh, let's see. A good conversationalist, steady worker, and good provider leaves car for wife on days she may need it. Right, because it's 1939. I don't think you're going to need it today. Not today, dear. You're not going to need the automobile. So those are all the merits. I'm going to leave you landlocked today. (laughs) Now, if you're a good little girl, when Daddy comes home, he'll read a magazine for you. Maybe something from life. Maybe something from the society page. (laughs) Sit down, dear. Here at my feet and let me read you the paper. Those were all the merits. Those were things you could do in 1939 to get a good score from your wife on the marital rating scale. I hear now are the demerits. Stares at or flirts with other women while out with wife. Stares at? (laughs) I can't help staring, darling. Look at what a vision that girl is. That ass. Look at, as we say in 1939, that ass. <laughs> More demerits for the husband. catatonic when any other woman is around. Mm. Darling, fetch me my sunglasses that I might stare. <laughs> the mirror ones. <laughs> More demerits for the husband. Uh, reads newspaper at the table. At the dinner table. Yeah, that's not the place to read. You must read that in your... In your chair. Right. I'll bring you your pipe. Fails to come to table promptly when meal is ready. Brings guests home for meals without warning wife. Doesn't phone when late for dinner. Compares wife unfavorably with his mother or other wives. Ugh. Publicly praises bachelor days and regrets having married. <laughs> Is this something My that- bachelor days That was when I was truly the happiest dear I wish I'd never married you What are you doing Giving me a demerit for that comment <laughs> Criticizes wife in public Belches without apology Or blows nose at table Leaves dresser drawers open Leaves shoes in living room And finally, you get a demerit for scoring. Scoring. Snoring. If you snore, you get points taken away. Here is uh, Dr. Crane's wife chart. You want to hear the merits or the demerits? I guess let's start with the merits. Uh, She is a, it's the same thing with demerits and merits, Mm -hmm. and the scores are very poor, poor, average, superior, or very superior. Here are the merits uh, for the wife. And again, these were cards that you were to take home and give your wife a, a score. Uh, he, this is what the wife needs to do to be up to par. Wife or wives. <laughs> In 39, yeah. I think it's just wife, Darren. 1939, Utah. <laughs> Hello. Has good childbearing hips. Now let's take a look at those gums. Mm. <laughs> no, that's not on there, although you'd be forgiven for thinking so. What I, what, what's on here isn't much better. Uh, number one, a good hostess, even to unexpected guests. Now, who brings unexpected guests? That must have happened a lot. Well, people, they want you to think so. Has meals on time. 
I mean, if you have people over, mm-hmm. if you have people over, right? How often do unexpected guests show up? I don't care if it is 1939. Honey, I thought I'd bring Barry home from the office. I brought these drifters here. <laughs> Honey, these hobos were lounging in front of our picket fence. I thought they could partake in the roast that you've made for us. I promised them that there'd be plenty of stew. <laughs> Hobo stew. Honey, I need you to make hobo chili every night in case I bring home a transient. After they're fed, I plan on... Killing them. We're going to skin them, dear. (laughs) Together. I'm going to put a bullet in the back of their heads and turn them into mulch. We're going to make lampshades out of these hobos, darling. A good hostess, even unexpected guests, has meals on time, can carry on an interesting conversation, can play a musical instrument as (laughs) piano, violin, etc. Or a synthesizer. Darling, I want to give you a good score, but you simply can't play the violin. Not very well. Dresses for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Neat housekeeper, Put tidy pearls on. and clean. Personally puts children to bed. Never goes to bed angry. Always makes up first. And you, and by that I mean dead ass. Asks husband's opinions regarding important decisions and purchases. Jolly sense of humor, good sense of humor, jolly and gay. Religious, sends children to church or Sunday school and goes herself. But, finally, number 12, lets husband sleep late on Sunday and holidays. (laughs) You go save your soul. Take these children to church. If anyone needs me, I'll be sleeping in. Oh, that's great. Good luck, 1939, dude. I've got money on Red Grange and the Bears. I was up all night entertaining strangers. <laughs> Who are now part of our rose bush. <laughs> we might... I need you to clean up the walls. One of the hobos wrote Helter Skelter and Hobo Chili on the wall. Clean that up, darling. And for crying out loud, it wouldn't kill you to play the piano. Uh, Here are the demerits that you could give your wife on the rating scale. Number one, slow in coming to bed. Delays till husband is almost asleep. Chop, chop. See, I prefer that. I like being out cold first. Uh. Uh, Number two, doesn't like children. Number three, Fails to sew on buttons or darn socks regularly. Wears soiled or ragged dresses and aprons around the house. Here's something you could give a demerit for. Number five, wears red nail polish. Or <laughs> What kind of harlot is this? Red nail polish? Are you a working gal? Often late for appointments. Seams and hose often crooked. So is that a thing like your seam has to be straight down? Yeah, and your nylons. I feel so bad for 1939 ladies. This is, this gets worse. Goes to bed with curlers on her hair or much face cream. Puts her cold feet on her husband at night to warm them. Is a backseat driver. 
flirts with other men at parties or in restaurants. What? Darling, were you flirting with the busboy again? That's a demerit. Uh, and then finally, is suspicious and jealous. So you can find this online if you're interested in, uh, in giving your wife or your husband the test from 1939 to see how you, uh, you average out. That's just... Uh, I'm suspicious that, uh, suspicious that you are constantly murdering the <laughs> drifters that you bring home unexpectedly. Red nail polish at a restaurant? My goodness. People will think you're some sort of prostitute, darling. I saw you making eyes at Manuel. How is it my socks haven't been darned? Listen, it's one thing for for you to go to bed with curlers in your hair. I'll look the other way. I asked you to darn my socks in the night when there's nobody there. <laughs> and sew on some buttons. And how are those violin lessons coming? What am I paying good money for? <laughs> now get these brats to church. I'm going back to bed. Now... <laughs> When you guys get home, I'm going to read the Sunday paper in its entirety to you. That's what we do in 1939. Yeah. George W. Crane, the marital rating scale. Uh, A very different time. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. Yeah, I would not. uh, Well, I remember anniversaries. I remember dates. Are you wondering, like, how well you rank here? I mean, do you... Do you read the paper? At the, some, uh... some of these are going to be incomplete. <laughs> two. 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 We just got done doing uh, the birthday barn. And we we did, uh, we did I guess, forget a birthday the other day. Uh, we did. Uh, and that would be uh, happy birthday to Richard Nixon's sandwich. Richard Nixon's sandwich. Richard Nixon's sandwich celebrating a birthday. What are was... you familiar with Sullivan, Illinois? Yes, that is down um, not all that far. It's a little bit um, west of Mattoon. I was going to say, it looks like it would be on your way to Mattoon. It's, it's a Mattoonian. Well, it's not on the way to Mattoon, but... Uh, Mattoon adjacent? It would be past Windsor, mm-hmm. past past Gaze. Um, yeah, Sullivan. Yeah, I know where Sullivan Sullivan is the county seat of Moultrie County, Illinois. Uh, population 4,440. Yes, I've been in Sullivan. Sullivan is the home of Richard Nixon's sandwich. Huh. Yesterday was the 60-year anniversary of a guy grabbing a half-eaten sandwich from Richard Nixon. He was in Sullivan in 1960, Nixon was, when mm-hmm. he was running for president. Sure. Now, I... I'm not here to second guess the Nixon campaign, but Sullivan, Illinois, seems like a weird place to be taking the the presidential campaign when it's this close to the election yes. in 1960. Sullivan, Illinois. Right? I mean, the population right now is 4,000. Yes. For whatever reason, Nixon, in 1960, had a campaign stop. Sounds like you are questioning the Nixon campaign. I, I absolutely am. I would have maybe spent that time in uh, a city that had a little bit more people. You know what I'm saying? Or a, yeah, or a state you were going to win. Yeah, that's a great point. Nixon, Dick, you're not going to win Illinois. Probably not. 
1960, Nixon's running against Kennedy. He ends up losing to Kennedy, in, in part because of some stuff maybe that went on in Illinois. While he's in Sullivan, he has a buffalo chicken sandwich, hmm. which, which he does Boy. not finish. That seems very early for That's a buffalo a... chicken sandwich. Yeah, because buffalo chicken wings haven't even been invented yet. Can't be right that it's a buffalo chicken sandwich, It could right? be a buffalo sandwich. <laughs> Are you sure it's... I don't think it can be a buffalo chicken sandwich. <laughs> it could be buffalo carp, not buffalo chicken. I mean, buffalo... Barbecue buffalo sandwich. Barbecued buffalo sandwich. So it was buffalo. It okay. wasn't barbecue chicken. Yeah. I'm sorry. Could, I misread this. Couldn't have been. <laughs> yeah, because that, they didn't even make buffalo wings until no, the bu- mid-60s, Buffalo right? carp would be popular down there. So Nixon leaves half the sandwich. Uh-huh. And Steve Jenny, who at the time was a 14-year-old Boy Scout, when the vice president makes a campaign stop there in his hometown of Sullivan, Illinois, he grabs the sandwich. So he doesn't finish or he takes it from him? Ahead of a speech, Nixon was served a barbecue buffalo sandwich on a paper plate. This was during a cookout. It's like, whoa, I got to go make that speech. And Someone save this for me. <laughs> He took a couple of bites. The uh, Boy Scout troop was asked to serve as the honor guard because Nixon, on this date in 1960, would have been the vice president of the United States. Now, I wonder... So if, so the Boy Scouts are there to be honor guard. Yes. Yeah, so I wonder if he was doing some of the barbecuing. Maybe. And then some of, the, some of it wasn't very good, and he was like, I am not a cook. No, he said that it was good. He, he took a couple bites and commented on how tasty and how good it was. Although, of course, that's what he's going to say. Yeah. This buffalo tastes terrible. Which one of you little monsters made this? That's not what you say when you're running for president. You people are not my people. Illinois, what a bunch of slack-jawed nobodies you all are. Uh, Steve says here, once he left, I looked down at the picnic table and everyone else was gone. And that half-eaten sandwich was still on the paper plate. I looked around and I thought, if no one else is going to take it, I am going to take it. And as opposed to eating it. Well, you wouldn't want to finish a sandwich the vice president. Well, it could be a story. I finished I finished Dick Nixon's sandwich. That's probably makes more sense than to grab the sandwich and then hold on to it for all these it years. It does. I mean, people might not believe you, but you know the truth. With Nixon's half-eaten sandwich in tow, 14-year-old Steve Jenny got on his bicycle and rode home just as fast as he could. Now did he put to it in show the, his mom? Did he put it in the freezer? The unique souvenir. He says here I ran in the door and I said, "Mom, I got the sandwich that Nixon took a couple of bites out of." And she was surprised and she and she said and said, "Well, what do you want me to do with it?" So I said, "Freeze it." The surprise killed her. Jenny's mom <laughs> in her infinite wisdom then wrapped up the sandwich in a plastic bag and then put it inside a Muscleman's applesauce jar Uh and then stuck it in the freezer. And that's the way it still is today. This thing has been frozen, kept frozen, since 1960. Who who, who sounds like someone who would have done this? You. Yes. In my refrigerator museum. The half-eaten Nixon sandwich that's frozen... Once made an appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson in 1988. Took it all the way to California, huh? 
He even That's wrote a risky. That's he, risky. He's just published a book about his adventures entitled The Sandwich That Changed My Life. <laughs> I'm surprised. The sandwich I'm that surprised. changed my life. How did it change your life? How? I'm surprised it's not Dick Nixon's sandwich and me. As I'm living, that sandwich will be stored in my freezer in a container that is labeled save, don't throw away. The half-eaten sandwich for Richard Nixon. Has he ever taken a look at it? Not, but, not since his mom put it in that applesauce. So he didn't, he didn't wrap it in foil, just the plastic bag. Yeah, plastic bag and then a, uh, a, a, a old applesauce now, did, jar. Is, is there a picture of it? Oh, yeah. What's it look like? It's not great. No, it's not the best. Steve Martin, when he heard the story of this sandwich, uh, sent him a signed paper plate to go along with the Nixon sandwich. Who do you think you are, Steve Martin? This has nothing to do with you. (laughs) You think you rate? Do you think this guy... I mean... Look, he's 74 years old, right? He was yeah. 14, yeah. 60 years ago. Do you think he's made plans for what happens to the sandwich well, after? I would, th- I would think he would want it buried with him. <laughs> it is my fervent wish that Bury I be the buried the sandwich with me. <laughs> Being of sound mind and body. Let me get this out of the way. Being a somewhat be, sound-minded body. I want to be buried with the sandwich. <laughs> He's written a book called The Sandwich That Changed My Life. Yeah, but how long a book can that be? <laughs> well, he's had it for 60 years. I'm sure he and the sandwich have had all manner of crazy you know adventures. What? You know what? I know. Okay, <laughs> you need to write the book about your uh, Woodstock Pepsi. Now, what would you think mm. if you saw somebody by the pool or at the beach, and that's the book they're reading? <laughs> the sandwich that changed my life. Yeah, <laughs> I would not assume reading the title that it was about a half-eaten sandwich from then Vice President Richard Nixon, who would again go on to become maybe President that, of the United States. That will maybe be my next year's um, <laughs> your summer reading. Summer reading. The, the book that I take to the beach, if the beaches are ever open. <laughs> there he is, just reading. <laughs> Does it say how long it is, the book? I can find is out. Is there a review of it? <laughs> what are the reviews? I'll find, let me see if I can find. What does Amazon have to say about it? <laughs> the sandwich that changed my life. Now that would make that would make sense if you were someone if you're like the CEO of Subway or something. Right, I would assume that it was like the Jersey Mike story. Yeah, yeah. The sandwich that changed my life. I'm looking at the uh, the jacket cover here. I can see James at Capriati's mm-hmm. uh, writing that story. Well, it's in stock. I can get it for you for 15 bucks. Let me see it again. Uh, and it's got three reviews. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Here's one. Steve Jenny is an exceptional man who has experienced a life well lived. He is a small town guy at heart, a decorated U.S. Army infantryman, Vietnam combat veteran, and more. 
who has had a most interesting, almost Forrest Gump-like life. Not really. His, st- <laughs> his story takes you back in time to Sullivan, Illinois, and a fateful encounter when the presidential candidate Richard Dixon's leftover barbecue sandwich. From there, his remarkable life's journey begins. I can verify nearly every detail in Steve's very interesting story as 100% authentic, as I was witness to much of what he discusses. In a time of so much anger, dissent, and lack of civility, Steve reminds us of a better time and place, as well as a reminder of what ought to truly matter in our lives. I wonder <laughs> if when he went off to Vietnam, mm-hmm. obviously he left the sandwich behind. Yeah, yeah. Gotta. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's what he thought most about, as opposed to, like, family and friends. Yeah. <sighs> I thought of that sandwich. I got to get home to I the gotta sandwich. I got to get home to the sandwich. Do you think he wrote letters to the sandwich? Possibly. Dear sandwich, rough day in country today. Here's a picture of Nixon enjoying the sandwich that's in the book. It's 146 pages, this book. Dear sandwich, <laughs> President Nixon is not helping the situation. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, it's safe to say things are escalating because of him. Three. 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 Know this about Dave and Darren in the morning. When science news breaks, you'll hear it here first. This this isn't really that fun of a story, but I think it's an important one to share uh, because there are some concerns, I guess, out there. You may be hearing anecdotally some information that is not good information. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is absolutely nothing to the claim that getting the flu shot will somehow make you more susceptible to coronavirus. I hadn't heard that. Getting a flu shot does not raise your risk of contracting COVID-19. That's according to a new study from the Cleveland Clinic. No evidence that the influenza vaccine leads to more serious COVID-19 symptoms or mortality rates. Now, People are putting that out there that, that don't want you to do well and don't don't fall for it. I got my shot. Yeah, you got your, your flu shot already. Mm-hmm. I'm getting mine in the first week of October. Now, that's what clinic was that? Yes, that's correct. That's right. Yeah, it's, it, they're just you can just go places and just get flu shots now. It's a lot easier than yes, you can. it has been in years past. It is a, a good idea to get the flu shot every year, but they say it's extra important this year because it will prevent what they're calling the twindemic of both a lot of people getting the flu and COVID-19. And twindemic is not as fun as it sounds. No. This is not... Uh, and this, twins! This is, yeah, this is, not, this is not some sort of delightful vehicle for Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> they say, according to the Cleveland Clinic, that getting vaccinated this flu season is the single most important way to stay healthy for the fall and winter. They That's did, the plan. They did research on this, and uh, the Cleveland Clinic... And, and and they're saying there's you know absolutely nothing to the idea that somehow a flu shot will, will make you more likely to get COVID nineteen. So so don't listen to that. Equally important, uh, researchers are saying that they've done the, the the math on this. The guys in lab coats have figured out that not all rats like to be tickled. This is an important discovery that scientists have just made. You mean snitches? No, actual rats. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not, we're going to make you talk. 
You're going to make you talk, see? Tickle you here, see? Researchers at the University of Bristol in the UK. Give us the goods, see? They say that rats enjoy being tickled. If you're a rat aficionado, there are people that have pet rats. Rats like to be tickled. They like to be tickled, and in fact, they will laugh out loud when you tickle them. Would you like to tickle my rat? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm good. No. Um, Are you sure? Go ahead. Tickle my rat. God, give him a good tickle. Tickle my rat, please. It turns out that not all rats are into being tickled. Well, no. They're all they're, they're different. Some rats love it. Some rats do like to be tickled. They tickled some rats and then monitored their high-pitched vocalizations. Mm-hmm. Going out of their little minds. Little rat laughs. Uh, they say that not all researcher, researchers say here, not all rats like to be tickled. Who says a rat doesn't have a sense of humor? <laughs> and some rats emitted very high numbers of, of laughs while others didn't laugh at oh, all. Oh, that's adorable. I don't think anything's funny about this. Nothing funny about being a rat. You want to hear a rat getting tickled? Uh-huh. This is uh, this is courtesy of Sweet Eileen. What goes on in a rat's brain during a tickle attack? For Scientific American, this is Catherine Caruso. Scientists knew rats loved to be tickled, especially on their backs and bellies. A tickled rat lets out tiny giggles, too high for us to hear. Well, Special then what's that? Captured the squeaks so they could be replayed. They use extra, like okay. supersonic. This is uh, what it would. So, this is what it would sound like. It's ultrasonic rodent laughter. Uh huh. So you have to use ultrasonic microphones to hear the rats laughing. Do you hear my rat giggling? Would you like to hear the rat giggle? Go ahead, make him giggle. Would it please you to tickle my rat? The study is published in the journal Current Biology, and, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yes, of course, we subscribe to that. Uh, It could help, they say, improve overall welfare for all animals, not just pet rats. When's the last time you were tickled? Oh, not that long ago. Does the boy kind of attack you? There's lots of tickling that goes on in my place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah. More often than not, it's the wife. Yeah. Give me a, yeah. Trying to tickle you. Well, but I mean, holding you down and tickling you to no, the point where you're gonna like I, I feel lose like, your mind. I feel like the tickling that goes on at my place for me is like it's inadvertent, and then I accidentally let them know that I've I've been tickled. <laughs> and then it's and then it's Katie bar the and door. Then it's like, on. We got him. We got him. We found it. Let's exploit this. Yeah, we've got his weakness. Let's exploit this. Now, what's your weakness? I'm not sharing that on the radio. Uh-huh. You out of your mind? That's a good. That's you want to know where my ticklish spot is? <laughs> that's a good call. Mind your own business. <laughs> that's a good call. That's between me <laughs> and my doctor and uh, and the elf on a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, he knows. For oh, some he reason. knows. He knows. He knows things. No, just like sometimes you know, like you just inadvertently get get tickled. You ever have that? No, because I'm. It's, you know, I'm, I've talked about this in the show before. I'm not crazy about being yeah, touched. Yeah, you don't like being touched. It's not. Well, I mean, sometimes I do. Yeah, but uh, but more often than not, easy like, divinal. I don't like. Uh, I don't like. Uh, you know, like getting my back scratched or getting a back rub. That for me holds no pleasure. That's not. That's not for me. I don't care for it. 
It's not, not even not from a family member. A good if you're hurting. No, no thanks. Uh, no, okay. no. That's the last thing I want is is to be you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not like and I, when I say I don't like to be touched, I I feel like I'm coming across like I'm some sort of trauma victim. But you're not a big hugger. I am a big hugger uh, for two people in my life, my wife and my son. That's the end of the list. The other family members, like when they show up, you're not... Oh, no. That's not really my... No, No, you're not hugging your brother. Mm, I see my brother so infrequently that I will give a hug at the end. At the end. Yeah. Not, Not the greeting. I never do the hello hug. The, no the, hello hug. The hug is always a goodbye Goodbye thing. hug. Yeah. 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 That would, like, I'm trying to picture. If my brother and, and his wife and kids came in the house and I gave them a hug as they entered, that's probably a very normal, loving thing to do. That's just not how we do things. We, we wait till the end. How about you? How do you do it at your place? Do you hug right away or do you, uh, oh, it's so good to see you, give a hug? Do you do that? I don't allow people in the house, so I don't know. When you um, have people over, when you go to a... Uh, it's probably more of a goodbye hug. Right? Yeah. Hugging is more reserved for yeah. goodbye. Later. Yeah. And and hello hug, it seems like a very nice thing to do. I'm not, I'm not I'm no saying... Big, I'm no big hugger, hugger either. Yeah, it's just not just not how I, yeah. how I roll. I mean, I'm not saying I don't do it. Right. I don't have an aversion to it or anything like that. But as far as actually initiating a ton of hugs now see i hug the wife and the boy hello when i see him but that's that's the end of the list i don't hug like uh you know the mailman when he comes over and no i don't think you're allowed to darren how many times in a week would you guess you are recorded by a security camera how many times yeah in the course of a week how many times would you would you guess? Let's go ahead and play uh, how many times with uh, your host. That's me, Dave Lavora, the uh, the game show sensation that really has has captured the imaginations of the Quad Cities entire. Right. It's time for uh, how many times? How many times a week do you think that you are recorded by a security camera? If you had to guess. I would only think that it's going to be a few times on the weekend, mm-hmm. but during the course of the whole, I will say, I'll say 60 times. 60 times a week you're recorded by a, a, a security camera. Uh-huh. Well, if it's 60, then you are far below the national average because the average American is actually... 600? No, it's no. It's 238 times a week. 238. 238. Ooh, sorry, you did not answer correctly. Well, I mean, it not was as a, much it was, on the it weekend. It was a good guess. I not thought. as much on the weekend. Well, maybe as much on the weekend because where you're being recorded the most, you may not even think about. At it. home? No. You would know if there was surveillance in your home, I would w- hope. Would I? <laughs> No, no. 238 times every week is how often the average American is caught on a security camera. Where is that happening the most? And the answer is in your car. Think of all the cameras that are at all the intersections. Yep. And those intersections have cameras because of, you know, accidents and whatnot. Uh, They say here again, it's 200 and... 
38 times on average for an American a week are you caught on a security camera. The average American is filmed 160 times while driving. Okay. so most There is the, a growing number of cameras at your major intersections. Most of the time, you're mm-hmm. not going to necessarily see me, but you're going to see the vehicle. Right. But that still counts as being That's surveilled. There's somebody, right? there's somebody in there. Much of the weekly surveillance is happening on the road. Yeah, if so that's, trav- happening, that's happening a lot every day. If you travel an average of 29 miles a day, researchers say that you drive under 20 cameras. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to know how many of those devices are permanently storing their recordings or just you know passively filming to monitor traffic data. Right. right? I mean, are they recording all of it or is it just kind of there to keep an eye on things? Surveillance technology spreading to every corner of the globe by this time next year, there will be, on planet Earth, one billion security cameras up and running. A billion. Think of it, too. With the, like, when you go for a walk, how many doorbells are recording you when you're walking with your dogs? Yeah, that's right. And you have no idea. Right? Somewhere between 10 and 18% of the one billion security cameras that will be operating by this time next year will be here in these United States. There's only one country with more surveillance than us, and that is the Chinese. Your ATMs, your drive throughs Yeah. All of that. Right. Yeah, I guess every time you go through a drive through they got cameras on you. They've got to. By next year, there will be one surveillance camera for every 4.6 people in America. And in China, that number is 4.1. Every grocery store, every convenience store? Yeah, when you walk into the... Yeah, when... when How you... does anyone go missing? It's <laughs> <laughs> a great question. Or, or, or I'll ask you this, because I, I, I always think of this whenever there's some sort of big crime. How does anyone think they'll get away with anything? Yeah. Right? Other than dressing up like a chipmunk to conceal your identity. Which is a good a look. Well, so far, that guy is still on the lam, so... The average employee is filmed 40 times a week at the office. That would be adorable. A chipmunk on a lamb. Now you've got something. Now I know what that's I want like, for Easter. That's even, that's even better than Death Monkey Rodeo. If you work in retail or in transportation, you're filmed a lot more than the rest of us. But your, your average employee is filmed 40 times a week at or around the office. You could be on film hundreds of times a week in comparison to people... Uh, you know, if you work somewhere where there's just a single camera and it gets you coming in and coming out of the office, that's one place. How many but cameras work... are here at the perimeter? Well, we've got hundreds of cameras here at the perimeter, but that's because got of the nature here in the studio. That's the nature. Of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mentioned it. We're on the internet now. There's people watching this right now. I'm not even thinking about it. We get two cameras on so, us here in the studio. So it's a lot... for us. It's a lot more than 238. That's a great point. But this would just count as one occasion of being filmed. That's true. Right? Yeah. The majority of U.S. residents, when they were polled, said they thought the number was five. Mm, No. Five times. (laughs) Five times is what we think we're being filmed a a, a day. And... (laughs) Wake up, sheeple. Doorbell cameras, a common feature in home security systems. So just going for your walk means that you're, you're being filmed. And all of this happening as facial recognition software is becoming 
more and more part of the game where they know, okay, that's Darren, that's Dave. They're able to kind of tell exactly who you are and where you are. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to go all tinfoil hat on you. These are just numbers that I thought were interesting. Mm-hmm. If you are an American who frequently travels by airplane or if you work in a high security area, then you're being filmed over a thousand times a week. Sure. How many times, if you go to the Quad City International Airport for a flight out of here, how many times do you think they get you on camera just at the airport? How many different cameras are there? I'm saying like from the time you pull into the parking lot to the time the wheels leave the, the tarmac there. How many different cameras do you think they have on you at the airport? I don't know, but the entire time you're there, they see you. Every moment. Every moment you're there. Unless you go to the bathroom. Mm. And probably even there, right? Mm. <laughs> and for the right reasons. Well, yeah, exactly. Keep it fair. Five. 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 Number five. Do you think it would be a big deal to put somebody on the moon, like nowadays? If as, they were to as do far that, as the interest that people would have. Yeah, they're going to be doing a lunar landing. NASA says, and everything's in place to get a man and woman on the moon by the year 2024. Mm-hmm. So the next four years, we're going to be putting people on the moon. That's an eclipse here, by the way. Oh yeah, here in in the United States. You have plans to go? Oh yes. be in the totality again. Oh yes, of course. I'm just wondering if it's uh, will they be up there during the eclipse? That would be cool, I guess. The plan that NASA announced here for a lunar landing in 2024. Before they do that, they have to launch two other missions to the moon to test the new Orion spacecraft. Or, I guess, Orion. (laughs) If you'll have it. The plan, according to the tweet from NASA, our plan is to land the first woman and next man on the moon. First woman and next man on the moon for 2024. So is that the big deal? The first woman on the moon is well, that going to be the what, angle? I tell you what, you could turn it into interest if you do one of those, um, th- one of those married at first sight type <laughs> things. Turn it into a reality show. Not only are you meeting your spouse for the first time, we're sending you to the moon, Alice, to the moon. Brought to you by Chris Jenner. <laughs> 2024, according to uh, NASA Administrator Jim Burdenstein, quote, is an aggressive timeline. But is it possible? Yes. Everything has to go right. They don't even know they're going to have enough money to do this. NASA wants uh, $28 billion from Congress to put a uh, the first woman and the next man on the moon. And even if funding does come through and NASA is able to land astronauts on the moon in four years... That's that's where things get even trickier. It's aggressive and everything must go right. Yeah. Doesn't so, seem like... Okay, so we should find out soon if everything's going right. And if it's not, then it won't be 2024. They want to build... Once they get people on the moon, they want to then get to work on building a permanent lunar outpost in the early 2030s. The agency also hopes to construct and install what they call the Gateway which would be a space station that would orbit the moon and would support frequent trips to the surface of the moon. So you'll go from Earth to the gateway, Mm -hmm. and then from the gateway, it's like you got a layover. Mm -hmm. You stop at the gateway. The hub, and then it's off to a bed and breakfast on the moon. They got a Chili's 2 here at the gateway. We'll go for a quick bite, and then it's off to our final destination. And if they're able to get all that taken care of, they say, 
we could have trips to Mars. Trips to Mars after the year 2030. But there are two missions that have to succeed in order for us to walk on the moon. The first mission is the Artemis program, Artemis 1, that calls for the launch of an Orion space capsule from this mega rocket, right? The Space Launch System. This spacecraft won't carry any passengers, but it will stay in the moon's orbit for three days to test its ability to fly to the moon and back. I wonder if they're already having interviews with young people at the Chili's about who would be the right person to... To be at the Chili's 2 at the Gateway Space Station? To to work the Chili's 2 at the Gateway. You're the right person. You're... Your chili's too in space material, Rogers. <laughs> Keep your chin up. We're going to have to put you through a myriad of tests, of course. After Artemis 1 comes Artemis 2. That'll be the first crude test of an Orion rocket and the SLS rocket. Again, SLS standing for Space Launch System. In a lunar flyby, the Orion capsule will carry four astronauts to go around the far side of the moon which is almost a quarter million miles away from us, and that crew would be going further deep into space than any humans before them. So I guess that's your angle. I just don't know. We haven't had a man on the moon since 1972. Like, in my lifetime, it happened in my lifetime, but I wasn't old enough to watch TV. How exciting would it be to put a man on the moon now? It certainly wouldn't be as exciting as in 69, dudes, right? You were allowed to watch TV. You just couldn't as a baby. I couldn't focus. No. no I was a couple focus, months. Focus, baby David. <laughs> I was a couple Oh, months. I want to be a baby David. <laughs> oh, I wish I was baby David before looking at the space stations. <laughs> once, once this crew goes up into outer space, they'll be the farthest out Focus, baby David. Focus. I'm just trying to figure out what the angle is. Like, how do they get people excited about this? Yeah, it's a different world. Like a mission to Mars, I get that. That's going to another planet. But the moon, it's like George Harrison says when he rolls down the window in front of uh, Mose. It's been been done. Yeah. That mission will happen, I guess, in August of 2023. That's when we'll have people in a rocket ship around the moon. Then Artemis 3, that happens in 2024. And that would be one of these Orion spacecrafts that will fly into lunar orbit, and then astronauts will land on the surface of the the moon, Mm -hmm. and then you get everybody safely back. That mission is expected to send people to the moon's south pole. Oh, we said nothing about bringing people safely back. Landing at the south pole, they say, is more difficult than landing at other places at the moon. No human or robotic mission has ever been able to land at the south pole of the moon. If we're going up there, why are we monkeying around with things that we think are difficult? Let's do the tough stuff. (laughs) No, just get back on the moon and then you start showing off. To accomplish this goal, NASA needs a human landing system. That is a spacecraft that will take astronauts from orbit to the moon's surface. The Artemis plan calls for the system to provide life support for about a week once they land. And then it'll get back into lunar orbit. They're working with three different space companies to develop prototypes for this system. Also, you're going to need new spacesuits. Now, the new spacesuits look almost exactly like what the Apollo astronauts wore. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll answer your first question. They do have diapers built into the suits. 
but these suits are said to be much more flexible, which would make it easier for astronauts to do complex tasks while they're out there. The designs also include better in-helmet communication systems and other technological upgrades. Why the South Pole? Why are we landing on the South Pole? Well, NASA says the South Pole will have the most value to human travelers because it's likely that there are bits of frozen water hidden in the bottoms of crater, and that water has never been touched by sunlight. So you could mine that ice, melt it, store it, and then use electricity to split the water into liquid oxygen and hydrogen. And then you could use that for rocket fuel. I see what you're up to. Isn't that crazy? They'll be living off the land on the South Pole of the Moon. I guess I started this story saying, who's going to get excited about this? But the more I'm reading the details, I think I'm starting to get excited about this. The prospect of... Well, and you've never seen one. No. I remember the Frogman. You thought that was the coolest thing. That was a cool job. The Frogman going to retrieve the capsule was your favorite part. I'm like, now that's a job. Right. I read an article not that long ago... Not that strong a swimmer. ...that suggested that NASA is thinking when we do the Mars mission... Because those astronauts are going to be in space for a much longer time. That One of the things they're considering is just sending a crew of just women. Because the concern is, if you got men and women in a confined space like that for that amount of time, Uh there could be some sort of interstellar hanky-panky going on. It could happen anyway. Well, yeah, no, I understand that it's possible that there could be some sort of... uh, Love me, love me. Yeah, no, I think it's Say great. that you love me. No, I get it. You want to do some sort of Vulcan scissor sister, I think that's fantastic. But you, you run a lot. I mean, nobody's getting pregnant in outer space, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. The Vulcan scissor sister <laughs> is when you do the live long and prosper. And, and you, go, you, go, you go like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Did I just... <laughs> Did I? Did, did I, just, I just do that? Did I just blow your mind? Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. I didn't think it'd be like this. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Dave and Darren's Top Five Things podcast, and downloading and subscribing. And if you get a chance, leaving a review on the iTunes. Until uh, we get a chance to do it for you again, uh, I would say hang loose, Kook. But first, we need to say thanks to the people who made this podcast possible. And that was Nature's Treatment of Illinois. I thought so. Tech Drive in Milan, West Main Street in Galesburg. Nick uh, Milan, the Milan store offers both medicinal and recreational. Galesburg is recreational only. Sign up for the newsletter and connect with Nature's Treatment. You can do so on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Now I say hang loose, Cooks. That's exactly right. And then what do you say? Well, until uh, we meet again, um, you stay. Uh, what do I say? Do you oh, really? It's, it's puzzling. No, I would say uh, you stay classy, Quad <laughs> Cities, and safe and classy, Quad Cities. No, is that not it? What do I say? You don't remember the end of the show? Uh, We've done more than a thousand of these. Like 1,200 of them. 1,300. Quad Cities represent. This is for the Quad Cities record spot. Davenport. Yeah, we keeping it locked. Rock out. Come on. And it just don't stop. East Moline. Yeah, they keeping it hot. Uh. Quitting time. Yeah.